You're listening to Work Tape, episode 95. of the Work Team Podcast. It's your boy, Money Mitchell, Isaac Reuven Grover, as always. And uh, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the recent news of inductions into the 2023 class of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The official inductions have come out this week. And um, overall, I would say it's a bit of a mixed bag. I would say some of them I very much agree with. I'm kind of impartial on some of them. And then in regards to a lot of the snubs and people or artists who did not make it, that's where I have some strong opinions. But let's start with those who are actually in. So uh, those who are officially in, George Michael, Cheryl Crow, Kate Bush. So running up that hill and running up that hall with Kate Bush. <laughs> I had to. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. That is uh, that is mandatory on this podcast. I had to, man. It is a pun cast. Pun cast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, Link Ray is actually going to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which that's kind of surprising that he that he's not already there. Actually, especially for those who don't know, Link Ray may have been one of the real originators, pioneers of guitar distortion. I believe the way that he actually got his distortion effect on his amp was, I believe he took a razor blade to the speaker grill and created what we know as distortion. I believe that's correct. I mean, you, people will probably try to quote me on it saying that there was other distortion that was being done, but one of the real popularized uses of distortion came from Link Ray because, you know, in the 50s at that time, it was all about the clean tone, you know, with the guitars. It was all about like the, you know, like semi hollow body, you know, Gibsons with the Fender amps that were all clean. And that's a great tone. But it's a very great tone. Yes. It's very easy on the ears. And, you know, you have like jazz. A lot of it was jazz based at that time, actually. I think I, you know, figured that a lot of electric guitar was kind of based in the jazz arena at that time. Because that's what a lot of the jazz players were doing. They were playing semi-open guitars with, you know, clean tones, and so therefore that that's kind of where that. So Link Ray, definitely deserving of an induction for sure, just for the contributions to guitar playing and more of the sonic kind of innovations. The Spinners too are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is makes me incredibly happy as well for me being kind of. I would consider myself an aficionado of soul music at this point. And so I love to see that they're going to get their proper due credit. Bernie Toppin, songwriter behind Elton John's hits, is in there. Oh, yeah, I love him. Yeah, they're a great duo. Because I, I always rave about how amazing Elton is. But, you know, obviously he's... I don't want to say he's nothing without him. But the fact that both of them are the reason behind Elton John's success and his backing band... I don't want to forget his band. Oh, the band is incredible, too. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to call him a backing band. That's an insult. No. Uh, Elton John and his team. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they are. a. Ugh, I, I Go on, dude. I'll get too much into it. Yeah, we could do an entire episode on, or actually, we could even do a couple of episodes on Elton John alone. 
There's a reason why Elton John is one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Yeah, and well, it was mostly Bernie Toppin's lyrics too. Exactly. And it was their relationship and their dynamic that they had. They, they worked perfectly for each other. What I'm saying is it's a team, is they needed each other for sure. Right, because Elton John was able to bring the lyrics, the musicality. The mood, the feel. Yeah, he was able to bring the musicality to the lyrics. Yes. He brought the musicality, he brought the melody, the structure of the songs, harmonies. He doesn't write in the way that like a lot of songwriters do. He kind of has a, a different thing. He's a little more like abstract at times. Because if I read like some of his lyrics, I'm like, that doesn't really make any sense. Like, <laughs> like you know, you know what I'm saying? Like when you hear some singer songwriter, it's like very much like linear storytelling where it's, you know, you're kind of setting up something and you're kind of have a theme or, or something and, and you're really like sticking to it. And it's very like linear in the way that it's done. Toppin, I feel like is not bad. I feel like Toppin was a little more experimental with even just the way he wrote lyrics. He had a bit of a country influence to a lot of his stuff, which also bled over into Elton's music. Um, a lot of like colloquialisms, and like phrases that kind of blended into Toppin's songwriting. But like I said, I could nerd out about Bernie Toppin's lyrics. For, as, as you should. <laughs> for Forever. And Elton, the music from Elton as well. Very, very deserving to see that Bernie Toppin's going to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Don Cornelius, the host of Soul Train, is also going to make it in there too. Oh, good. Um, which, once again, I'm kind of surprised that he's not already in there. Because, I mean, Soul Train was definitive. I mean, it was like a definitive show for like America and especially like Black America. Um, it was like the pinnacle. I mean, to be on Soul Train was like a huge accomplishment. And like, if you made it to Soul Train, like your music was popping basically, to say the least. It was almost kind of like, I don't want to say it's, I, I'm not even really sure what an equivalent is of Soul Train these days. I, I really don't, because it felt like it's kind of its own thing. I mean, I guess the modern equivalent in regards to prestige would maybe be something like a, um, and of course, this is obviously very different in regards to atmosphere and whatnot, but the only thing I can think of with our generation that's like that level of prestige is maybe like a tiny desk concert or something where, you know, you have your tiny desk and, you know, that's like, ooh, you know, you've, you've really made it up the ranks or I don't know, going on like hot ones or something. Oh, yeah. That means that you've made it if you're on hot ones. <laughs> yeah. And you're getting interviewed by Sean Evans, who is um, great host. Great host. Yeah, he's almost like Nardwar in the sense that he'll just pull out things that you don't expect. He's one of the most interesting and non-annoying and most authentic seeming host-like people out there. Yeah. Oh, definitely. He's hard. He's there's something about him that's hard to hate, you know, or dislike. Yeah. Comes from a genuine place, just like Don Cornelius. Don Cornelius was the perfect host for Soul Train. He had that kind of smoky, gravelly voice. He just was able to you know, get so many great interviews out of the artists that were on the show. The fact that he was able to acquire that much talent within, you know, a very short period of time to play on the show. I mean, he was a real innovator in terms of not just a host, but I'd say like a businessman too. Because I want to say that Soul Train was pretty much like his child in that sense. Like he was the like very much like how Barry Gordy was the brainchild of Motown. 
John Cornelius was like the brainchild for Soul Train. And then, of course, Shaka Khan. Once again, I'm kind of surprised she's not in there already, but still great. And, of course, the big one, Rage Against the Machine. Once again, I'm kind of shocked that they're not already there, especially once the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame really started allowing more like hip-hop acts to get in. I was kind of surprised that when the Hall made the decision to start including more hip-hop, that Rage Against the Machine wasn't like first on the list. But maybe it's because there actually is parameters in regards to when you can even be considered for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's a time thing. Like it has to be at least like 10, if not 20 years from like your debut album. So the fact that Rage didn't come out until like 94, they weren't even going to really be in the parameters to be considered for a while. And plus, I think the politicalness of Rage maybe threw off some voters. I don't know. I'm really curious to see what the band actually thinks about them being inducted into the hall. They issued a statement, and I forgot what they had said because it was a huge statement. But yeah, they were... It was pretty political. But I mean, first off, I think it's kind of impossible to avoid politics. So that's one. Number two, they were just kind of talking about how you know what I mean? It really was a political post. But here was the issue a lot of people I saw found with it is that they, they felt... <laughs> so I think someone... I forgot what they, they like made a pun with their name. But it was like something about how like it was so self-like celebratory. Yeah. So it kind of came across as kind of arrogant or more like prideful, if anything. Yeah, I think... Some people have kind of had a little bit of a differing perspective on Rage as of recently, um, especially with some of the drama that circulated with their tour. Or Tom Morello's antics, as well as people kind of mad at the band that they, you know, their tickets are so highly priced, yet, you know, they're so anti-establishment. They kind of are the establishment. So, I mean, that's like a big thing for RATM criticizers. Oh, right. And with Tom Morello, are you talking about like social media antics? Yeah, I mean, you can't speak for someone just based on a post. So I I don't want to say that. At the same token, I'm aware of a so-called incident where he was supposedly rude, like really rude to someone who was like, yeah, you know, you need to let me into this um, restaurant. And I think the owner was like, yeah, you need to reserve. And I think Tom pulled like the, do you know who I am card? Oh, got it. I think that's what happened. But again, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I see Yes. And this is not just a Rage Against the Machine issue. I will say, though, it is harder for Rage because what happens is that you're trying to be, um, oh, you know, we're champions of the masses. You know, we're fighting for people who are oppressed. You know, that's the claim. Right. But then they kind of, in a way, become the oppressors themselves. They kind of just become just another part of the system. You know, like someone said, you can't be anti-capitalist and capitalist yourself. And again, I don't want to get into the politics because people get mad about it. Right. But just from like a logical sense, I'm like, well, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care what side of the political spectrum I fall on. That makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, basically what it kind of boils down to is that Rage Against the Machine kind of started as a a band or the common person. And then they ended up being and evolving into the very thing that they made music against. It's kind of the Dark Knight quote. You live long enough to see yourself become the villain 
And then I do also recall like some things with Tom Morello on social media, kind of having a bit of a superiority complex. And I guess in a way it doesn't surprise me because he's a pretty intellectual guy. I mean, he graduated from Harvard, you know, with, you know, a couple different, you know, degrees, I think. And the man is brilliant on the guitar. Can I be honest though about that? I want to hear this. I think that we need to stop giving excuse to intellectuals being condescending. Now, I will say this. I'm not saying I'm an intellectual, but I've always gravitated toward intellectuals. I've always found them intriguing. And because of that, I have met many arrogant and prideful intellectuals and actually quite a few humble ones. Yeah. And I don't think that they should get a pass. I think what you're saying is like, I can understand uh, it coming from someone like him. I agree with that. Yes. But the fact, but, but, and I'm not saying you're saying this, but societally, people need to stop giving people like that passes. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like the Rick Sanchez's of the world. Like they can just kind of right. be intellectual and they're better. And the irony about intellect is actually, intellect does not mean that you know things. It just means that you, you arrive to conclusions differently than other people. But it does not mean that your conclusions are correct. Right. So... That's something to think about. Right. Dropping some philosophy in this podcast, I see. <laughs> oh, you know it. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that's my point, too, is that I'm not necessarily condoning anything that Morello has done on I figured. social media or otherwise. I will just say, though, that it doesn't surprise me in the sense that he will have kind of that position or that take especially anything in regards to the political arena, I would say that, you know, he's definitely going to be one to do that. In a way, he's kind of similar to Kanye in the respect that they're both kind of outspoken. Um, They both have some very polarizing political takes. I mean, obviously, Kanye went so far off the deep end. (laughs) I don't think Tom is ever going to go as far as Kanye did in well, regards I, to... I would not call it. I think people will surprise us. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, that's that's a whole thing in itself. But I, I do see some similarities in the way that they will like interact with people in regards to especially certain topics. Um, they'll kind of have this thing of, I am kind of better than you because I have, you know, whatever knowledge or I went to Harvard or, oh, I made, you know, all these you know, groundbreaking albums. So therefore I am, you know, better than you. And I I do agree with you in the overall like statement in regards to not giving passes or excuses to like more intellectual people or more, or like giving passes and whatnot because of, oh, they're the person who made this, this, and this. Therefore we're going to give them the pass. That's why R. Kelly got away with so much was because People gave him passes. We put people, you're right. We put people in these uh, unsalvageable, not unsalvageable, but like kind of non-destructive like places. Like they cannot be destroyed. You know, they can't be criticized. And and first off, I'm not saying we should criticize and blast people. I think we should, here's the thing. I mean, you should be kind to everyone because everyone's going through something. And, you know, if you make a bad decision, you don't want people just like airing it out in public and being a jerk, right? So you should also be kind toward others when they're wrong. Right. But on the flip side, you should also not just like completely just like, oh, they get a pass. Right. No, we should address it, but maturely. And the problem is, I don't think we as a society do things maturely. 
we do things immaturely on both sides of that coin. Sure. And I think that's especially the case with some music artists where people don't want to accept some of the stuff that their quote unquote, you know, favorite artists have done, you know, and that, and once again, that's why I mentioned the whole R. Kelly thing, because really that man should have been in jail like two decades ago, but they allowed it to happen because, oh, he's making great music. Oh, he's a staple at cookouts. We can't cancel him because our cookout playlist is going to be less or whatever. And it's just kind of like, really? Especially after all the stuff that happened with him. But anyway, uh, going back to Rage, I still think that overall, it's excellent that they are going to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think that they are deserving of it for their contributions to music. I think that, like I said, I, I put them right up there in regards to NWA, Public Enemy, protest music kind of at its finest, I guess. So overall, I would say, you know, congratulations to them. Um, let's talk about the snubs for just a second here. Oh, yeah, this is going to be good. Because we were talking about this earlier. <laughs> and we were talking about kind of just how surprised and shocked we were at some of the artists that didn't make it. Um, I want to start with Tribe, Tribe Called Quest. Whack. Especially because with, once again, them accepting more hip hop and more artists in that space, I am surprised that Tribe Called Quest isn't in there. I think, once again, it might be more of a time parameter thing in the sense that Tribe's like debut didn't, or that it was it 89, I think? Because I know that Low End Theory was not their debut. Low End was 91, but yeah, it was not their debut. But, but dude, they've been around for... It, it was inexcusable that they're not even in there, but go on. Yeah, especially just because, I mean, with Q-Tip's production alone, I would say they need to be in there. Um, just by the way that they blended so many genres successfully and, you know, were a band or a group, rather... They were critically and commercially adored in hip-hop, which was a bit hard to do at that time. And all, honestly, I just tried Cold Quest as just one of my, my favorite groups, period, ever. There are so many great hip-hop artists of the 90s, so I guess I can't necessarily... It's kind of a tight one if I say they're in the top three or five, because you, know, you got Tupac, you got Biggie, so that's going to be tricky, but easily top 10. Oh, yeah. Easily yeah. top 10. I, I put them right up there with... The Roots, De La Soul, the Wu-Tang Clan. I was going to say Wu-Tang. Yeah, no, Wu-Tang uh, for sure, uh, Tribe. And then, you know, I got Tupac, Biggie. I mean, yes, there are other ones, but I still think that, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's so many, you put them in the top 15 or 20, but I feel like they deserve that top 10 or 15 uh, spot with a lot of those, those heavy hitters. Nas, too. Yeah, they didn't get the superstardom that Tupac or Biggie got, but you know what they got? They literally defined the 90s hip-hop sound. Yeah, and especially kind of more of like alternative 90s hip-hop. 100%. Because what they were doing was way different than anybody else. They weren't doing necessarily the boom-bap sound that Nas did on Illmatic. They weren't doing gangster rap that Ice Cube and Dr. Dre were doing. They weren't doing even any of the stuff that like Mob Deep was doing. They blended jazz and just made... Honestly, music that's just still to this day, like very enjoyable to listen to, 
The Sonic production is still, I think, really great, mostly from Q-Tip. Um, I think he just has a great way of producing. He has a good ear. And I think a lot of that music has just aged like phenomenally well for 90s hip hop. I mean, Electric Relaxation is one of my favorite tracks to this day. Um, and I think should be studied for just like how great it sounds. Yes, you can. <laughs> I love that song too. Uh, so Tribe Call Quest didn't make the rounds this time. Hopefully next year they'll get in. We'll see. We'll Th- see. That'll be great. Iron Maiden, dude. That's stupid. That is whack. I'm kind of surprised that they're not already in either, to be really honest. Especially with them being one of the definitive like 80s rock band, heavy metal bands. Actually, to call them a rock band would be a disservice. They're a metal band, for sure. <laughs> I mean, metal is technically rock, but yes, we don't. I guess we don't call that. Yeah, it's still a disservice. (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) Because, I mean, their longevity, too, is something that I think has big things. You know, um, the the talent of the band, the songs that they made, the fact that they still kill it on tour, even all these years later. I think they've kept pretty much the original lineup, too, which is crazy. Yeah. They're kind of in a small club of bands that have actually kept the original lineup. I think them, U2, Aerosmith, The Cure, maybe. I'm not sure. So anyway, I I think they need to get in for sure. And then, of course, the big one that people really made some significant noise about, uh, Joy Division and New Order. I would say Joy Division more, but I can see, yeah, I mean, New Order... You know what's crazy? I like New Order. I really, really like New Order. I like New Order as well. Yeah, but I'm so into Joy Division and I think they are more iconic because to be fair, you know, Peter Hook, you know, I mean, he did New Order, but he's still in Joy Division. So he still gets his flowers and he probably shared those flowers with Ian Curtis. I'm talking about his um absence, but still the name of Ian, you know, they'd all share it, you know, as a group. Yeah. But yeah, Joy Division, I'm pretty upset about. Um, I was trying to see if Depeche Mode was in the Rock and the Hall of Fame. Because Depeche Mode is... Oh, they are. Okay. Because I would say Depeche Mode and New Order like kind of in a similar camp. Yeah, they're more similar. Yeah, agreed. So the fact that you have Depeche Mode and you don't have New Order is kind of a, a little... Odd. Weird. Yeah, exactly. Maybe Depeche Mode took it in place of New Order. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> But I still think that if you're going to go in that kind of electronic route, that you should have both of them in there. True. If you're going to have Depeche Mode, I feel like you should have New Order. Because I feel like New Order did precede Depeche Mode. So it makes sense that way. Um, I love Depeche Mode, by the way. Yes. Um, They're going on tour again, but their ticket prices are insane. So I'm probably not going to see it. (laughs) But anyway, Cyndi Lauper also didn't make it this time around. Kind of surprised about that one. Yeah, me too. Just because I would think that she would have kind of gotten in off of just the popularity of a lot of her music at that time. Um, Soundgarden. Whack. Absolutely whack. That is the stupidest thing to ever happen. (laughs) Yeah, Soundgarden really needs to be in there. I think if anything, just out of respect for Chris Cornell, you need to have him in there. Yeah. Like just out of a pure respect and kind of reverence for for chris i think you need to have him and soundgarden the rest of soundgarden in the rock and roll hall of fame is audio slave in the rock and roll hall of fame i don't think they are i would have to check but that would be criminal if audio made it before sound so yeah yeah yeah, because you can't really have one without the other 
Yeah, like I'd be happy that Chris was in there, but I'd be mad that the lesser half of Chris is in there. Even though, it, look, Audio Slave is amazing, but it's like, come on, okay, Soundgarden. Yeah, well, I mean, because if you think about it, Audio Slave was just pretty much the remaining members of Rage, including Tom Morello. That's what I'm saying. Then with just Chris at the helm instead of Zach. I mean, that's really what it is. Bro, yeah, no, 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 Soundgarden... I don't want to get into it. You, you, yeah, we're on the same uh, boat with this one. Yeah, but 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 Soundgarden is just—I mean, you want to talk about pioneers of like the grunge rock movement. Soundgarden has always been like criminally underrated to me, like because when people talk about grunge, it's always Nirvana, it's always Alice in Chains, it's always Pearl Jam, and then Soundgarden is like, yeah, we we like Soundgarden, but I don't. Soundgarden gets the flowers that it really deserves you know what mitch soundgarden is one of the greatest band names of all time it really is it's fantastic i really believe that because we always talk about the worst band names that is easily one of the greatest oh, soundgarden is amazing that is such a good name and it's named after an actual place there's an actual place that's i believe referred to as the soundgarden that's in seattle i believe oh even better yeah so it's it's named after an actual spot i know that for sure but yeah, so if you have not listened to Soundgarden, you really should. Uh, Super Unknown, is that the big one from them? Super Unknown is the one that has Black Hole Sun. Yeah, that one's bigger than Bad Motor Finger, which we forgot to... Do we? No, we didn't do this. 2021. Oh, yeah, I know it's Well, okay. they're both great albums. Bad Motor Finger and Super Unknown are fantastic. Super Unknown was more commercial, though, I think. Oh, definitely. Super Unknown was like their 10, never mind. Yeah, Bad Motor Finger was like their bleach, I guess. Yeah, that's a good way to put... Well, no, 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 no. There's actually one from 89. I totally forgot the name of that album. That one's like their bleach, but um, that's fair. Oh, you know what? The 89 one might have been Temple of the Dog because then there was another band that was also called Temple of the Dog that came out later. Shame on me for not even knowing their drummer's name, but Soundgarden has such a an amazing drummer too. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, really unique you put him with Chris Cornell and yes, the rest of the band is great, but just Chris and his drummer. <laughs> and, yeah. and I mean, they need to be in the rock and roll hall of fame and a story. We can go on to the next one. Yeah. I mean, Chris is just one of the best vocalists of, of all, all time. time. Really? Seriously. Just the voice cuts through so well. So good. So much soul. Um, the, the man could really do it all. It seemed he embodied like almost every decade at once. Yeah. That's what I feel. Well, right up until his death, unfortunately, God rest his soul, mm -hmm. right up until his death, he was doing it. So man's amazing. Uh, the last one I want to mention on the snubs, the White Stripes, dude. The White Stripes got snubbed, which I guess is not too surprising because that's like one of the like super recent additions. I do think Jack White is going to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at some point. Agreed whether it's going to be from the White Stripes or from his solo career, I think he's going to get in in some capacity just because the dude is like way too talented to not be in there as a guitar player, as someone who kind of pioneered a lot of the kind of indie sound and just the stuff that he did with the guitar was crazy. And Jack White, actually, his solo stuff is really good too, for the most part. Some of the stuff I'm kind of like, Eh, I can really pass on this, but like Blunderbuss is a great album, which is a Jack White solo record. So I have a very weird take about him. I 
Okay, so first off, I oh my gosh, it's crazy because I like Seven Nation. Seven Nation is actually, I'm going to say a compliment. Seven Nation is one of the most interesting of like a band's like most popular tracks. Oh, very much so. Yeah. And I don't typically like the popular songs. Yeah. Even of my favorites, you know, I typically prefer the lesser known tracks. But with White Stripes, I really like, you know, um, I almost said super unknown. No, I, I really like Seven Nation. So, you know, I like that song and I might like a couple or some other tracks by White Stripes. I've always felt like they're a bit of a novelty. I've always felt like they were too derivative of the late 60s, early 70s hard rock scene. And I kind of dislike them for that. I actually really like Meg. Um, I really like her. But White Stripes have always felt like, yes, I get it. It's novelty. You know, it's just both of them. And I think it's cool that at the time, at least, they were like a couple married or whatever. And that was cool. But um, yeah, I never really enjoyed how it really sounded. And I felt like, because who's the band that does this? Royal Blood. And there's another one, Death From Above, before they turn into, they were Death From Above uh, 1979, but now they're just Death From Above. Uh those other two bands did it better because they did the bass. They played a bass guitar, at least. And so it uh, okay. it compensated for this lower frequency. So I think that actually worked. And um, uh-huh. I know White's, not White Stripes, Black Keys kind of did the same thing. But White Stripes, I always felt maybe the thing is the mixing. I think it was always garbage. That's just my opinion. Yeah. And I never really liked White Stripes for that reason. I always felt like the mix ruined them for me. And I kind of never really enjoyed just the two of them. I think they would have been better if they had more members. I know sometimes they've added members on stage before, but for the most part, the novelty was just those two. And I think it's a cool concept, but executed in a real life, I think it was terrible. So that's my opinion. But I've come to like Jack White as an artist. I think he he's really humble and I like that about him. So, you know, I don't want to just like bag on him. I think he's a really cool guy, but I do think that the White Stripes, again, and I'm in the minority has been kind of one of my least favorite acts of the popular aughts bands. Okay. Okay. I I can respect that. Because for me, it's not like I'm going to say, like, I'm not the biggest White Stripes fan either. Even in their era. Yeah. Because they're like the strokes to people, you know? They're like, And even, I like the strokes a lot, but even, they're one of my favorite bands, but even they, I felt, were terrible at, like, albums. I felt like, eh. That's my opinion. That's my opinion. (laughs) <laughs> but the Strokes do have a classic album, though, which is is the same. It is good. I just like, feel like that they, is a classic, though. I guess what I'm saying is it's not that they haven't done a good album. I've never liked the fact they would always do an almost perfect album. And I always felt like they had one or two tracks it just ruined it. But you have to agree, though, that that is a classic album. 100 percent. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, no. Is it, Those is are both mutual. 100 percent. Yeah, no. Is this it is totally. I mean, Room on Fire is now 20 years old. Yeah. So that's another thing. No, I'm not hate. That's what I'm telling you. I That's what I'm saying. Uh, Strokes are one of the weirdest bands for me because there's no band on my list where I've ever said I love almost all their tracks, but find that their albums are near perfect, but I don't really have an album on my top 100, mm-hmm. including Is This It? Because I feel like it's not consistent. That's my opinion. But they're still one of my favorite bands of all time. Yeah. And I like I said, for me, I'm not the biggest like I said, advocate, fan, whatever of the White Stripes. Like I said, even in their era, I was kind of like, eh, they're okay. Yeah. But I'm going to stand by my stance on this, which is that Jack White is going to be a future Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member, um, whether it be with the White Stripes, whether it be his solo work or the Rock and Tours, 
he's going to get in there at some point. I just don't know under what circumstances. I mean, like I said, it's just in terms of what he's done for guitar playing in the 2000s and the 2010s, it would be shocking if he doesn't make it in there at some point, just because of kind of the basis is that he's covered too in regards to, you know, the white stripes, like I said, the rock and tours as well. I think that's how you say it. The rock and tours. Yeah. Yeah. The rock and tours was really good. Yeah. And then of course his solo stuff. Um, once again, for those who are trying to get into some Jack White, uh, Blunderbuss is a great album. Um, it really is. Um, like I said, the recent stuff I can kind of live without. Um, I didn't think that the last solo record he put out was particularly great. But I do think that Blunderbuss and some of the other stuff that he put out is actually pretty solid. Actually, you know, it's interesting because with the whole thing with the White Stripes and kind of that garage revival, I'd be interested to see if Queens of the Stone Age are going to make it to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think they should. Mm -hmm. I think Queens of the Stone Age should probably get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before the White Stripes do. I mean, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that at all. (laughs) yeah i just i don't know if it's going to happen or not because the white stripes i think once again it's the time parameter thing i mean the white stripes definitely got bigger am i wrong yeah they did i mean queens of the stone age was popular enough yeah but i mean the white stripes were kind of like internationally known yes and queens of the stone age i think were definitely more for like aficionados and more like for people who really really love music and rock music and especially with queens of the stone age it's a little hard because their lineup changed so much Mm. that it's a little bit hard to induct them just because their lineup was like ever-changing and some of the members that were actually in queens are already in the rock and roll hall of fame like dave grohl so um it's a little bit tough you would actually really be mostly just inducting Josh Homme, to be honest, because that's pretty much the driving force of that band. But yeah, once again, I think um, it doesn't entirely surprise me that the White Stripes got snubbed. And in terms of the snubs, I feel kind of the least upset about that one, as opposed to some of the other ones we mentioned, like Tribe and Soundgarden and Joy Division. Um, the fact that those three are not in yet is really surprising. Um, and I hope to see them get in in future years. But that's going to wrap it up here for the Work Tape podcast. It's your boy, Money Mitchell, Isaac Groovin Grover. Stay hydrated and um, much peace and love, everybody. Oh, also, also, and I kind of like interrupted that. So uh, <clears throat> speaking of getting people in, uh, I think we're going to be bringing Johnny on. Uh, we talked about that a while back. So, you know, this could be potential partners for you and I, Mitch. Yes. Yes. We've talked about Johnny for a while and um, some of his connections into marketing. And maybe hopefully your boys can get sponsored. That might be kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also uh, provide a lot of value for our listeners who um, are trying to make it in the music business because Johnny has a wealth of knowledge. So... Yeah, we can definitely have more music business discussions with him and talk about the ins and outs of industry stuff because so much of what happens in music news is related to music business. So it would be interesting to see 
uh, his perspective on it. But who knows, maybe the next time or one of the fewer times that you could see the Work Tape podcast, maybe we'll get sponsored by Liquid Death or something. <laughs> Considering that our uh, tagline is stay hydrated. Yeah, just uh, get some well-marketed water. <laughs> yeah, no, li- I mean, yeah, Liquid Death from a marketing standpoint is genius. It is genius. Just genius. So I would be more than happy to have Liquid Death as a sponsor. So who knows? But yes, uh, I'm glad that we're going to be having him on the podcast once again. Here at the Work Tape, we really try to have varying perspectives. Um, As much as I love the dynamic that Isaac and I share, we do like new perspectives and new guests as well that bring their knowledge as well to the table. I, I feel like it needs to be a community. We try to cultivate a community here. So I'm very excited to see what he's going to bring to the table as well as other guest artists. Likewise. But as we're recording this on Cinco de Mayo, uh, happy Cinco de Mayo. It is not Mexican Independence Day. That's in September. So anybody who has that conception, it's a little off. But once again, happy Cinco de Mayo to people who are listening. If you're listening to this after Cinco de Mayo, then obviously, well, still we wish to do you the same. And once again, stay tuned for more episodes of Workday Podcast, where we'll discuss music business, music news, deep dives into some of your favorite albums and artists and some of our favorite albums and artists, and just dropping some knowledge in terms of the processes behind some prolific art. So stay tuned for all of that. Once again, Money Mitchell, Isaac Rubin Grover, stay hydrated. Much peace and love to everybody. Peace. Peace.